I just want to see how you'd react. Did you hear Steve's song today about Abraham, Sarah? You realize she didn't have a baby till she was 90. You think every day God said, hang on, Sarah, it's going to be okay. Life's going to be great. I'm sure she came along sometime in life and said, you know what? I don't think this God who said he's really good to me is going to be very good to me. You know, most of us don't like silence unless we're on vacation and we just want to chill, right? You ever been in an elevator with a full group of people? Can't wait for that next level to go so I can get out of here. You know, sometimes silence is a little weird, isn't it? It can be a little crazy. It can be a little different as we look at the things that we go through in life. And silence can feel very long, especially when it's from God. It can become very uncomfortable. You know, I've been praying about something just personally the last, uh, oh, probably a couple months. Hasn't been answered yet. This morning I was come, knowing what I'm speaking on, and I was praying, I was doing some things, and all of a sudden God reminded me, I use silence, something we're not used to. So we're going to look at this idea of silence. We started last week looking at the same passage we're going to look at again in a few moments. But if you were here last week, you remember we talked about the process God takes as he leads us through a storm. We said that God shakes our security when it's in anything other than Jesus Christ. Things may be going good. All of a sudden, God says, boom, I'm going to give you something to help you refocus. God works in our lives. We said different ways. One is through intervention. When God just miraculously performs a miracle, he does something that, boom, it happens, and boy, you know it was a miracle. That's not the usual, is it? Then we talked about how God uses interaction, how he will bring somebody alongside you, or he'll give you the ability to interact in helping resolve the storm you're in. But then we also looked at this last thought last week as how God uses interaction when we're in a storm. He doesn't take the storm away. He doesn't remove those parts that we so often need to feel and hear. He begins to say, I want to change you through the storm. You know, if you're like me, you have probably learned many more things through a storm than you have in good seasons of life. Because when the good seasons are there, we don't focus as much as we should. We just, Lord, thank you for a great day, man. It's super. It's been fantastic. But it's in those moments when God brings something in our lives, we pray about it, we ask him to change it, we help do all we can, but nothing changes. And finally, we start to get quiet. Because God has been quiet, he's been silent, and we finally learn that God wants to do something in me through this. And so I encourage you as we look at this passage again, that we take a look, because there's a short period of time where Jesus is silent in the boat. I wonder, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you would say that you have had times when you knew God was silent? You came up on a crisis, you came up on a storm, you came up with wanting some answers, and seemingly God never delivered. He didn't answer you in the midst of that storm, and you maybe you became anxious, maybe you verbalized it to others, maybe you got angry. Who knows what it was, but 
you knew there was a silence from God, and you didn't know why. When Mark chapter 4, we're going to look again at this passage we mentioned last week. I said we'll delve into it more this week, and we will. Jesus was preaching along the Sea of Galilee. That's where the text will begin. He has really given himself out. He is exhausted. And it said in verse 35, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, Father, I pray that we would learn from your word today. Lord, we would learn maybe a a different avenue of how you work and how you uh, deal in our lives. And may we take it to heart as we go through our future days. Father, thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. But Lord, if we're honest, there are times we feel like it. We wonder where you are. We wonder why you're not responding as we are requesting And so, Lord, we ask your help today in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I would like us to see how God uses silence in our lives. Henry Blackaby, Blackaby, some of you may be familiar with that name, he he did a series quite a few number of years ago, and he shared ways that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through the Spirit of God who lives in us if we're a Christian. He speaks to us through the Bible, through prayer, through people of God, and through circumstances. Well, obviously, he uses the word of God first and foremost. It is what is crucial. It is his word to us. So we learn from that. But we have to be discerning as we listen to what God is saying. But I believe he speaks to us in one more way, and that way is through silence. Maybe you've never heard a message on it before, but I think if you follow along and you start to allow your mind to wander through periods of time in your life, you will have realize there were those times when you cried out to God or you were going through something and God simply didn't seem to be giving you an answer. In verse 38, God chose to sleep in the midst of the disciples' storm. Now, I know Jesus was exhausted. He had really given out. He had poured himself out. But the God who created all certainly could have been there when this storm began. But he's fully asleep. The Bible doesn't say the time frame. Now, we've referenced this passage before, and we know that, uh, that in the Sea of Galilee area, there's a high mountain area to the north, and winds can whip off, and it can create storms within a matter of 30 minutes or so. But we don't know how long it took. We're not sure exactly how long the, the boat ride was going to be, but if Jesus is there. He's fallen asleep. You can imagine, just like we see in our own lives, when we see the change of the sky when a storm is about to come. We see those clouds rolling in. We see when they start getting darker and we realize we better take caution. We better watch this thing carefully. I'm sure the disciples did that. 
I'm sure that as they started to watch, they had been on the ocean, the, the sea, so long, they knew what to expect. But as we've already mentioned in past messages, this was a, a really upheaval on the Sea of Galilee. This was the worst thing these guys had ever faced on that, in, that, in a boat on the sea. So whether it was 30 minutes or 60 minutes or hour and a half, who knows what, you can imagine the anxiety starting to invade the hearts of the disciples. They don't want to wake up the master. Goodness, look at all he had been going through. Look at his teachings, his healings, the things he had been doing. Jesus was so exhausted. The Bible says he went down and he's literally sleeping as the storm's coming on. The disciples are doing everything they can to get through that storm on their own. Where's Jesus? He's asleep. He's silent. The God who created all is asleep. That's how we feel sometimes when we go through those storms, isn't it? Let's be honest, don't we? We feel that captivation of fear in our hearts, and we wonder, and we, we begin to get a little irritated at times. I wonder if you've had those times as a Christian that you just felt God was silent. When God is silent, it's for a perfect reason. And we may not feel that at the time, but it is. We, and, and the truth of it is we may or may not learn the reason why in this life. God, why did you allow me to go through that period when it just seemed everything was so dark? It seemed like everything was going against me and you weren't there to help me. He was there. He never left us, I said, but we felt like it. You see, we want results, don't we, as humans? We watch television, and for 30 minutes, they can solve the biggest things that go on. And, and that includes, you take away the commercials, they can do it in 20. We want results. God, this is the way I'm wired. This is the way I'm made. This is what I see. God, I want it right now. But God wants a deeper relationship with us. God, you realize he's not concerned about time. We get concerned about time. I'm one of the world's worst. He doesn't care about time. So what am I to learn about Jesus sleeping? We're going to look at three thoughts. They'll have a point and they'll have a question that goes along with the point. Now, I do want to mention just as last week, this is a message I heard a number of years ago, and, and the main references are from a man named Todd Phillips, a pastor. So I want to make sure I'm giving proper credit where credit is due. But I learned a lot as I went through this, and let's notice those thoughts today. The first one is this, silence tests the, author the authenticity of our faith in Jesus. It tests the authenticity. And the question that goes with this one is, am I a fair-weather friend or a faithful follower of Jesus? You know, it's interesting, in the verses right before what we just read, the Bible says this, Jesus was teaching Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? And what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. And so Jesus is 
preaching. He's teaching about the kingdom. He's teaching about faith as different parts of the word would tell it. He talks in another place, the mustard seed, said it's one of the tiniest of the, the seeds that are available, but when it grows, boy, does it grow. It's giant. And he challenged the disciples and others at a different spot, said, when you have simply the faith of a mustard seed, you can, remember what he said? Move mountains. Sometimes I wish I just had the mustard seed in me, don't you? Jesus said, you don't have to have a giant faith all the time. You just have to trust and believe. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith for God to work, as I said, just that mustard seed. Then Jesus sends them out in a boat. He's taught them all these things. He sends them out in a boat. Why? I believe in this instance, it was to produce the faith he had been talking about. You know, maybe you've been in a service like this, or maybe in a Sunday school class, or maybe you've been doing your own devotions and you've been challenged by God in something, and then God lands it in your lap to see how you're going to respond. <laughs> you ever been there? All of a sudden, he strikes something in your heart. You know it's real. You know it's really getting to you, and you know you need to do and step out and whatever, and, but you don't want to because you're afraid. And all of a sudden, God says, I'm not going to let you get away with this. I am going to bring something in your life so that you know you need to learn what I've been teaching you. You see, the disciples had, been, had seen the incredible miracles by Jesus before the storm. They, uh, what I would like you to do, because I'm going to mention a few thoughts, but if you would, let's go back 2,000 years, if we can. Put ourselves back in the time of Jesus' day. Become a disciple. Be there going with Jesus, watching all the things that he had been doing. In the book of Mark, here's just some of the things that Jesus had been doing that the disciples saw with their very own eyes. The first four, first five are in Mark chapter one. An evil spirit is driven out of an individual. Then they go to Peter's mother-in-law to the house and he heals her of her sickness. A few verses later, he's in fact healing the whole town. Everybody who comes along, no matter what illness it is, he's touching them. He's bringing healing to them. The disciples are seeing all this. Can you see it in your mind as you're there? The demons are driven out. He heals a man of leprosy. I mean, leprosy was very visible, wasn't it? And the disciples are looking and seeing that happen right before their eyes. Later in chapter 8, he heals a centurion's servant. Mark chapter 2, verses 5 and 11, he heals and forgives a paralytic. Mark 3, he heals a man with a shriveled hand. Luke 7, here's the big of the bigs. He raises a widow's son back to life. Now, I said that all these things happened before that giant storm hit. The disciples had watched Jesus do incredible miracles. I mean, they had been there firsthand, seeing it, watching it, being amazed at what God was doing. But let me ask you, put yourself now in the boat. 
You're with the disciples. You're right there with them. Jesus is asleep. The storm starts coming. How would we respond in the storm? <laughs> would we say everything's okay, Jesus is in the boat, no problem? Well, I doubt that I would. I would probably be saying, help me out! Because our faith isn't where it needs to be. The silence tested the authenticity, the existence of their faith, and the result, their faith was almost non-existent. You know what's amazing about this miracle that trans was transacted? Remember I said that the disciples saw all the miracles up to that moment, but none of them were personally relating to them. They watched the leper be healed. They watched the whole town be healed. They watched the guy raised from the dead. But none of them were, was their miracle. None of them saw it happen in their lives. And this moment in that boat was the first time they had to have it for themselves. You know, it's easy to say what we do when we're not in the storm, wouldn't it? Oh, I tell you what I'd do if I were you. We're great at advice, aren't we? But you put yourself in their shoes. You put yourself where they are in that moment, and all of a sudden we see if your faith is really strong or if it's pretty weak. The disciples, as we said, it says their faith was non-existent, pretty much. Here, the disciples still didn't get it. You know, I believe this is the first time Jesus uses silence in any miracle. We already mentioned Abraham. Near the end of Jesus' life, I believe he used silence in another way. We've mentioned the, uh, a message about Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus. For four days, these sisters are wondering why Jesus hasn't come. Lord, we called for you. Lord, we sent somebody to get you. Lord, we pleaded for you to hurry because this was a serious illness by our brother. We're afraid we're going to lose him. And Jesus said, I'm just staying back where I am. He was silent. There had to be a thousand questions running through their heads, more than what they could even articulate in their minds, because Jesus, their, their close friend and Savior, had not come. And he's worried about it. But this miracle is for the disciples to take them to a new level of faith. Listen, the truth of it is you can watch other people go through storms and you can see them weather and you say, wow, that's great and it does encourage you. But it's not until you go through your own storms and you trust God in them, even when he doesn't seem to be speaking to you, that you learn what real faith is all about. Jesus tends to show himself in practical ways as younger believers. You know, I believe that when we're, when we're younger Christians, God shows us more. He helps us in our stages of growth. But after we grow for a while, we learn that, God, you don't always have to speak. I simply know what to do. But yet there are still those moments when we question because we're asking and God is not seemingly answering. And so we have to realize that in those moments, silence tests the authenticity of our faith in Jesus. Am I a fair weather follower, friend, 
or am I a faithful follower in Jesus? You will tell when those storms come. Number two, silence tests the focus of our lives. Here's the question. Do I worship God for what he does for me or for who he is? It's really interesting. The question that the disciples laid out to Jesus was this. In that first passage we read, they said this, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? All of a sudden, and through the storm, it has been on them. That's pretty natural, isn't it? Let's be honest. That's how we would feel. It's about me. And that's what they're questioning Jesus about. Don't you care enough that you can prevent us from drowning? So where was the focus of the disciples? It was on themselves. They were focused on what Jesus could do for them. Now, I am glad that we have that blessed privilege that we can go to God and ask him and help us in those times of need. God doesn't negate that. But if that's the sole purpose of our looking to Jesus, we're missing something even better and bigger. You see, the disciples, they want a blessing more than resting in the presence of the blesser. Jesus was still in the boat. He was resting, but he was right there with them. Maybe you've had those times of silence. I was thinking of a couple. My second year of college, I still remember it. I had the joy of living on what they called Treasure Island. Sounds like an exotic place, doesn't it? It was really a kid's camp in the middle of the James River because the dorms weren't done at Liberty University. So I would, had my car, I would park at one end and I would have to walk a lot. There's a lot of paths and those kind of things. And I was down at the one end of the island and it just seemed like that semester was a really different semester for me. I was somewhat isolated from more of my friends. I was a, I had a giant room. Remember, it's a summer camp. I was a sophomore. I had five freshman roommates. They called me Papa Dave. I was thrilled. I just felt really alone that semester for a long time, probably for a couple months. I remember walking at night at times, and I would look up. I'd see the creation. I knew God created it, but I certainly didn't feel like God was very close. I would call out, and it seemed like he didn't want to respond. Lord, I don't get this. Lord, I feel alone. Lord, I feel lonely. Lord, this isn't the norm that I thought you would allow in my life. I remember another time when I was getting ready. I was already pastoring for a lot of years, and we were going to move to Virginia Beach. That fall, I started feeling that where I was wasn't where I needed to stay. I was making decisions. I was praying a lot. There's, be honest, there's a lot of anxiety in my life. Tried to make this big, heavy decision, moving family, changing, going to, you know, church literally 20 times bigger than where I was. Helping an executive pastor position. The only thing God ever said to me during those long stretch of months was this. You're not going to be here, the church I was at, and you're not going to be there. That's the only thing I knew for definite. I did not understand it. I didn't get it. So you know what I did? I just pushed ahead. Had my house rented there, had all my whole office there, and finally it all just came crumbling down. I couldn't do that if I wanted to. I'm a mess right now. 
but God, I sure wish I would have had some more direction in this whole thing. I feel like you told me that, but you didn't fill in any blanks. So where do I go from here? God's great for the journeys he takes us, but they're not always easy. And in the midst of some of those we go through, we have to wonder, God, I don't get this. Now, I can't say at least that one. Looking back, I, I know probably the biggest reason, and I can never share it. But I know, and my wife knows, and it would have been a wrong move. You know, we can easily misinterpret God's silence as his rejection, and that really is not true. It's easy to get upset at God in those times and wonder and get angry and say, God, I don't get it. I'm your child. Why aren't you speaking to me? I think sometimes we need to learn to quit asking God for things and simply desire to know him and his presence. God, I miss you. I don't miss all you're doing. Well, I, I wonder about a lot, but or all you're not doing, excuse me, but I miss you. You see, God is my blessing. Jesus is my blessing. It's not all the circumstances of what I'm going to get. It's being in his presence. So sometimes the silence is to create thirst for him, to hear his voice, not for what he can do for us. May we be reminded that having Jesus in the storm is better than not having Jesus on any calm day in our life. Now, he's always with us. We know that. But you understand, hopefully, what I'm saying. We need to focus on the blesser rather than the blessings that come from him. We need to focus on him, not on what he does. Listen, if all we do is focus on God, give me this, give me that, take care of this, we have missed the essence of our personal relationship with Jesus. He wants us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to speak to us and walk through paths of life with us. But sometimes we get so far away that he has to do things to get our attention. The process he takes us through is what he cares about. The purpose is for us to get to know him better. He wants us to grow in him through our trials and through the silence. May I remind you that God loves you way too much to leave you the way you are. He doesn't hate you. He just wants to make you more like him. And he knows exactly what each and every one of us need. What I need is different from you and what you need is different from somebody else. God knows exactly what we need in the exact moment we need it. And even if it includes silence to get our attention, to draw our focus where it is. That's what he will use. And so, do I worship God for what he does or for who he is? The third one today is this, the silence, or excuse me, God uses silence to force us to get real with him. God uses silence to force us to get real with him. Here's the question. Do I have a casual relationship with God or a deep and essential one with him? Have I received my salvation but held out the control of the rest of my life? Did you come to that moment, if you know Christ, you trusted him as your Savior, but you said, Lord, thank you for saving me, but I got a plan for David. I have a plan for me. You put in your own name. 
You see, God says when we come to know him, we are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your, your spirit, which is his. In verse 40, we already read it. Notice what it says. All this questing, all this wondering, all these things, why are we in this storm? We can't wake him up. We can't. The Bible finally said, Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? This one really digs. Do you still have no faith? Guys, after everything I have showed you, after everything you have seen, and now I'm allowing you to go through a storm in your life and you can't trust me in it? The Bible said they were terrified. They asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I think they had to see that Jesus was much bigger than even what they thought. You see, it comes in those moments when we go through our storm, when we go through the silence and we have to focus on him and we have to get real with him that we begin to see that he is much bigger, much larger, much better than what we could have ever imagined. But we can't learn it through somebody else's life. We have to learn it through our own. And it is in those moments that we have to say, God, I am trusting you no matter what. Lord, I am drawing near to you, even though I cannot see it, I don't understand it, I don't even feel you're near me, I am sticking with you. You see, it's only then that we realize that our relationship is deep. It is essential. It has to be a part of my life. And no matter what we go through, we have to grab it. You see, for the disciples, all the small talk is gone. You can almost see them at some of these stops that Jesus was making, doing healings, doing this, doing that, and they'll reference it. Boy, wasn't that great? Whoa, did you see that? But not until it hit home with them did they begin to understand. The storm was powerful. They are left with nothing but their lack of faith. You know, God puts us in circumstances to show us where we are with him. That is a good thing. Please don't take that as like, oh, no. Take it as a good thing. Because God cares about us every single moment of every single day. He knows what's going on in our lives. He wants us to stay strong. He wants us to stay close. And he will use whatever avenue he needs to bring us closer to him. But you know, when I've been there, that times of lack of faith, I've been anxious, I've been fearful, I've been wrongly focused. I think you understand if you've been through those moments too. And may I say this, I think it's okay that they lack their faith here because this moment took them from a moment of no faith to later becoming giants for the faith. I believe that that had to be one of those moments in their life where all of a sudden they began to see Jesus for who he was. Oh, yeah, they, they were following him. They knew him. They were, but this was that moment they realized he is, and he will be there for me, and he will be there with me. And even though I feel at times he's not taking notice of what I'm going through, I realize I can trust him with my life. 
Later, they saturated the world with the gospel. Listen, I really believe it's only as you go through those moments where you feel a sense of crushing in your life, the Lord allows you to go through things that you come out to bloom on the other side, that you come out to realize this is a God moment for me. He has allowed me to go through what I have not been feeling with him so that I can go forward in my faith. God is interested in shaping each of us into a life sold out to him, and he will bring any trial to bring this about. Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus could just say, hey, do this and we do it? You know what? He does. (laughs) But we're human, and therefore we mess it up a lot. So God has to do more than just say. Sometimes he has to do or lack doing so that we'll pay closer attention. So we close today. Let me ask you a few questions. What is God doing to shake your security? Has he been doing some things? Have you turned to him in your trial and let him lead you? Some people are solution people, and so they're always looking for the solution rather than let God bring some solution. Is he using silence in your life to test the authenticity of your faith? To test where the focus of your life is, to help you get real with him? Or sadly, maybe some of you have been walking so far away from Jesus that you didn't even recognize the silence. Because that's just normal to you. I trusted him, and now I go on my own way. That's not what he wants for you. And he will take some moments in your life, and if you learn from them, you will grow. God's goal is to take us through a process to shape us to be more like Jesus. And the truth is that no one cares more about you than he does. When you're in those silent moments, sometimes you don't feel it. But after you get through it and you see how he has shaped you and helped you and molded you and caused some questions in you, you begin to realize that he really does care. And so may I challenge you, may you make this prayer yours. Lord, I give you the key to my life and I will trust you even in the silent times. Now, silent doesn't mean there's no storms, right? Silence may mean you're in the midst of it. You just don't feel God is answering. May you look to him. May you trust him. May you call out to him. And may you never give up calling because he will meet you. He just has you to learn. You have to learn what he wants you to learn to get you to that point. Listen, these are not easy life lessons, are they? These are the hard things, but these are the real things that make us become more of who Jesus wants us to be. Let's take a quick glance over our lives through the years. Think about a few of those moments that he has allowed you to go through some deep storms. If you hadn't gone through those things, You would never be the person for Jesus you are today. Never. You can't learn it in the easy seasons of life. 
You learn them through the difficulties. You learn them through the times of silence. You learn them through the hard courses of life. But when you do, man, is your life enriched. Your life is blessed. We cling to his truth. It's there for us, even when we don't feel it. And God blesses. Amen. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads for a moment. We're going to sing in a little bit, but first of all, do you know Jesus personally? I mean, I've described him hopefully in a way that makes you understand that he's more than just a name, more than just a figure in the Bible, a historic figure. He is the Son of God who loves you, who cares for you, who gave himself on the cross, died for your sin, rose again three days later to prove it was all real. Do you know him personally? Whether you have come to church all your life or you're maybe a first time, who knows what, whether you're here today or you're watching online, do you know Jesus personally? That's where the journey begins. Maybe you sense God moving in your heart saying, you need me. May I encourage you in your own words, admit to Jesus your own sin, your need of him as the son of God to be your Lord and master. If you do that, he'll change your life. With our heads bowed also today, if you're a Christian, maybe God's allowing you to go through some things today. Maybe even others don't know it, but boy, do you feel it. I wouldn't dare say your name anyway, but maybe you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me as you pray in just a moment? I need to learn from this what God wants me to learn. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up? Let me see. Quite a few of us. We go through those things. God wants us to learn, and he will be with us and help us. Father, I thank you for the day. Lord, these are not the normal kind of messages, but Lord, I think they're very relevant because, Lord, we've probably been through times like this, and maybe we didn't even understand why or what, and maybe we still don't, but we have learned that you took us through a journey and you got us through, and you were there with us, even though we didn't feel it. And Lord, you have amazed us now in learning to walk by faith. Father, for those who raised their hands today, thank you for their personal acknowledgement of what you're doing and wanting to do in their lives. Would you give them wisdom and strength? God, would you help them to turn it to you? Would you help them, God, to see this thing, Lord, as best they can as you would see it? Lord, we thank you that you love us, you care for us. I'm going to ask Randy, our heads are bowed. I'm going to ask Randy just to play a little bit. As he starts to play, maybe God is speaking to your heart. You would just begin to, to allow God to speak to you. After he plays through this, Steve's going to lead us in a final song and invitation as well. If you need someone to talk with you, to pray with you, we have many here who would be delighted to help you in some of the journeys of your life, and we would love to help you.
Let's all stand and get a hymn. We'll turn to page 638. spoke to your heart that message but uh, it's, it's certainly spoke to mine and it's a great lead-in for next week you see we've got a special opportunity next week to uh, have some visitors uh, pastor's gonna be and his wife are gonna be gone this week they will be back but they won't be here this week so we have uh, a special group coming in to uh, be with us and to share their story uh, from Hope Ministries uh, if you'll remember, that's the uh, ministry we elected last year to uh, invest some of our money in. But uh, we're also going to uh, look at how we can further our actions with them to provide some assistance to them. And, uh, you know, talking about, the, you know, some of the things that happened this morning that are part of that, uh, one is uh, roaring like a lion within you. Uh, the Lord makes his self known in everybody's heart. So, you know, if you're being moved by that, if there's a purpose for that, he wants you to do his will. And that will is helping others find him. And it's very important that we show that will as Christians and, and be led by it. It, as Pastor said, it's not about necessarily what um, God can do for us. It's about uh, what we can do for others for God. You see, God doesn't need us. We need Him. So next week we will have, starting with Sunday school at the 930 session, we'll have a, uh, a group of three individuals from Hope Ministries that will share their testimonies. This is very important. Is this going to be in the sanctuary? Okay, we're hoping that it'll be in the sanctuary because I hope we have an overflow crowd. And I would strongly encourage anybody that knows somebody that's at risk, that uh, is, has a heart for this type of, of situation. You see, we've got a pandemic in West Virginia of abuse. And we need it starts right here. It doesn't start on at, at City Hall or in some hospital. This is where God works. So with, with that said, I think we need to be participants of his work. So next week at 930, hopefully in here, we're going we're gonna to schedule it for in here, okay? 
we will have that testimony. And then uh, we will have uh, them leading the service uh, through Brian McClure and uh, uh, his assistant, Dante. Sarah won't be able to be here. I've known Brian for 25 years or so. And uh, uh, he's very capable of doing service, let me tell you. It'll burn you. And uh, so I'm, I'm really anxious. I'm right anxious for them, but I'm also anxious for us because it, uh, it, will, it should be something powerful. And I implore you, please be here. And with that, I'm, I want to go ahead and close in prayer. You bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your message to us. We thank you for everyone that's here. We pray, Lord, for those that uh, need your healing hand. Uh, we pray for our hearts to be healed. We pray for a pastor and his wife as they're absent from us this week. We pray that uh, well, they will get rest, especially, especially pastor who's going through recovery from uh, some uh, out-of-control uh, out basketball through a concussion that he suffered. We, Lord, we know that he's in the healing process, and we pray that that will continue, and that uh, when he comes back from uh, this little uh, rest time, that uh, he will be even that much better. It's in your hands, Lord. Your will be done. And, Lord, for anybody else, uh, we know that uh, Pastor Sam is also recovering from uh, his time in the hospital, as are others, uh, and you know you have them in your minds and hearts, Lord. Uh, you know who they are. So we pray for all of that, Lord, and we pray that we all have a good week and that we come and support this ministry next Sunday. And we do this all in your name. Amen.